and welcome to the 52nd GOM podcast with me, Ruth Taylor. Me, Shatavi Shadas. Me, Sanjanan Chowo. And myself, Ben Chapman. So this week's Cron Talker was Sam Jahan. Um, what did you guys all think of this talk? Um, I thought it was really inspiring, actually. I think he is someone that I, honestly, out of all the, po- out of all the Cron Talks that we've had in recent time, he taught me a lot um and when I say taught me a lot he he is someone that puts a lot of effort and a lot of time into what he does you know the saying goes when you love something and you know and you enjoy it then you don't give up and you keep going so uh yeah I thought it was very inspiring yeah so I think that the very fact that he covered a crisis like that of the Rohingya is um, really commendable because the Rohingya crisis is not very well known across the world. And uh, the fact that he covered it and he brought it, in, like he brought it up uh, on national television and uh, in front of the world, it just, yeah, it just makes us think that, oh, this is how journalism should be. According to me, it was very inspiring because he talked about a lot of things, how things go in journalism, where he talked about fake news, fact changing, job vacancies, and like he told how he came to study law and then he changed his majors into journalism and the fact he didn't told about this to his father. And like he was continuing doing this for an year and then finally he came out to be like, yeah, this is what he something really wants to do. So yeah, that was really inspiring for me. How I've been dealing with like multimedia journalism, multi-platform journalism, uh, I would say, because I am doing both text and video at the same time. For the Rohingya refugee crisis, uh, while I was covering, I'm still covering it, by the way, uh, while I was covering in the first uh, couple of years, uh, back in 2017, especially when almost uh, 740,000 people they made a massive exodus from Myanmar to, into Bangladesh and they're living in a cramped, cramped up and like overcrowded camp, a refugee ghetto-like camp uh, in the southeast corner of the country. Uh, when I was in there, I, I literally learned a lot. I mean, that's, that's another beauty of journalism. You can learn a lot from the field, even if you don't know it. What did you think about the things you were saying about multi-platform journalism? Do you think it was well credited? Like, do you think what he was saying was accurate? Like, you know, on newspaper, radio and TV. So he talked about a lot of advantages and disadvantages that journalists have to face these days in multi-platform journalism. That was like, of course, you become very popular because you know how to do everything using softwares and how do you have on tv radio etc etc and then obviously your editor your peer like your colleagues everybody they will praise you for the work you have done so that was the advantage side of the multi-platform journalism as well as you know with the majority of the population consuming news and media through smart devices the way the best way for news to reach as many as people possible for it like you know multi-platform journalism that's a lot of coverage these days but the other disadvantage was you know dependent on the technology and then you have to cope up with a lot of things so a single person can't do everything on his or her own so yeah you have to be dependent on the technology and if you don't know anything about it so you won't be able to do the multi-platform journalism so that is what he talked about it and i really liked it I think the multi-platform journalism was quite interesting because obviously the way our world is evolving, 
people are using social media a lot more than they're watching TV. And for a long time, newspaper and TV journalism was the only way to get things across to people. Whereas now you've got all of this social media, you've got TikTok and things like that, which people are consuming a lot more and a lot more regularly. I think, especially with older generations in um, journalism, it's going to be quite hard for them to adapt, especially so quickly. I think they definitely need our, our generation to be able to go in with all of these skills, which we're taught because we're a multi-gen, like multi-platform journalism course. You know, we, we need to be able to go in and say, right, this is all this new technology. This is what people want now. They don't want a newspaper. They want a 10 second clip to come up on their phone, give them all the information they need and we're the ones that have to create that so I think it's definitely that's going to be the future of journalism is multi-platform because no one just consumes one type of news feed anymore that's just not how it works and I think we're going to be the generation that goes in and changes these newsrooms we're going to be the ones going in saying this is how it should be if we want the best content and the like the largest audience possible I think it's going to keep evolving very quickly as well we're definitely going to have a struggle keeping up with it definitely so he did talk about mobile journalism the smartphone journalism uh, or the mobile journalism the mojo i'm sure you have learned it in your classrooms uh, what uh, does it mean by mojo uh, mojo is a very popular thing of course you should uh, check out how to do it and the smart everybody carries a smartphone nowadays so uh, whenever you're just going out, if you see something uh, funny, if you see something like, if it grabs your attention, try to do a small uh, video story on it. I mean, even even if it is for fun, even if it is just only, you know, for your own practice, try to uh, do a small story on that. I definitely thought I wanted to go into photography when I was picking my degree. And I decided not to because everybody's got a camera now. Everyone can take a good picture. Do you think that's the way journalism is heading? And do you think mobile phones and just ordinary people catching these stories is going to kill off us as trained professionals? No, something is happening. They're going to capture it, record it, and then put it on their social media, or maybe send it everywhere across the globe. And that is how things are becoming, you know, uh, that is how things are getting on number one streaming and everything like that how it's going viral everywhere it's because of the mobile phones people are using and then capturing things and sending it across everywhere i actually agree with ben and say uh, and i would say that uh, i don't think mobile journalism would take over traditional journalism it might become a part of journalism but i don't think it would take over traditional journalism yeah um I would agree that uh, it's, uh, it's multimedia. So yeah, everyone's got a phone. Everyone likes to get their phones out when they see something going on, but that's just, that's just how the public are. So um, it's not necessarily, um, I don't think just because everyone's got a phone and everyone can record stuff, that that's going to take things away for journalists. I think it, it will, you know, there's, there's multiple ways that, um, that you can sort of, you know, report on news, uh, whether that be on your phone, camera, what, whatever it is. So um, I definitely think that going forward, 
um, there's a range there's there's a range of ways that you can report on news. So I definitely don't think that it will uh, take a detrimental effect into the future. Uh, now, I just wanted to say that the fact that mobile journalism is now coming up so fast and like, um, it's increasing so much is because uh, it's very cost effective. It allows publishers to like publish instantly and it just is an affordable way to tell stories. So I think that is one reason why it's um, in, in this Asian era of lockdowns and pandemics and uh, you, you don't have instant access to huge cameras and stuff. So I think just having a phone and being able to tell a story, I think that that what makes it more, um, yeah, interesting. Well, following on from that, I was actually going to say something similar about how sort of 20, not even that long ago, 10, 15 years ago, it would cost a lot of money to be able to produce the content we're producing at the moment. Whereas like, so for my practical project, I did the TV documentary and did the whole thing either on my phone or on Zoom. I think that is going to have a real impact on journalism as we know it. I think newsrooms are going to start shutting down because they've realised we don't need all this money and expenses anymore. People can do this at home on their phones. And I think I find it a bit worrying as someone that's just spent, you know, £9,000 a year on a degree. Yeah, all I really need is a phone and a laptop and you can get the job done. And I think there are a lot of people in journalism who have not had a degree and not gone to university to train for it. So I think it is a bit worrying that, you know, anybody could start doing this and become a journalist and no, you don't necessarily need all the qualifications anymore like you used to. With technology advancing, it would definitely create a new niche. But I pray and I hope that it doesn't take over traditional journalism because um, I think nothing could be traditional journalism, really. Mm. So also in Sam's talk, he spoke about fact-checking and the importance of fact-checking at the moment. Fact-check journalism, it's a booming thing all over the world right now. Fake news is everywhere. It is just, you know, taking over the internet all the time. Um, and it did raise some uneasiness in me because so much of what's been going on at the moment has not been fact-checked. Things like what Trump would say. Um, and even with COVID, everybody has got their own opinion on everything. Do you think that journalists are having the same impact as they were, you know, a few years ago? And how important is it to fact check everything that we're doing at the moment when people will probably just argue it anyway? I'm actually, my practical project was on uh, racism and how it evolved during the pandemic. And one of the major things that I learned while talking to the people and what it kind of uh, showed, because, uh, calling a virus the Chinese virus or um, putting a geographical connotation to it and not fact-checking, um, it, just, it just, it's just very scary because a lot of people out there, they just they consume the news without really understanding uh, what really goes on behind it, without understanding the facts. So it really is very important for journalists at this moment to fact-check and to... Uh, really put out news which is uh, correct and uh, because I think at this point when you look around and you look at the news and you read uh, stories there's a lot of stories going on about how uh, 
a lot of Asian supermarkets, Asian people, elderly, they have been attacked just because of, you know, their facial features and stuff like that. And the reason why this grew so much during the pandemic is because of people like Donald Trump going up on national television and saying that it's a Chinese virus, it's Wuhan virus, it's what uh, China brought into the country. So I think at this point, it's really important to think about how and what kind of news you're producing and how it's affecting people. So uh, yeah, journalism, I think journalism is all about finding facts and interpreting its importance and then sharing the information with the audience. So basically, if we talk about whom should journalism trust with their sources and everything, I think they should not trust anybody because journalists would never accept what they are told about, you know, that, uh, information. But journalism, I think they should take a spectacle view of every piece of information shared with them. And like fact checking is very important because nowadays, if something is up online, everybody would trust it. And then, you know, the fake news will flow everywhere. Yeah, um, I think just adding on to that, um, fact checking is essential at the end of the day um but not everyone's going to do it i think that's the harsh reality everyone has to um everyone has to sort of look at not everyone is going to fact check everyone's going to want to write the best story whether it's 100 percent true or is 85 percent true you know as long as you're fact checking you can't control what everyone else is doing so uh as long as you're doing the right thing then you're doing the right thing so my question was, why do you think is fact-checking so difficult to do? Why isn't it like an essential step? I think I, so are you asking like, what, why does why is it so essential? No, why, why does, does not, not everyone, everyone do, do it? it? Because it is an essential step and I think all journalists do understand it, but why is it so difficult for people to actually fact-check the news? Um, is it because of sens- sensationalism? Because they want to sensationalize, uh, sensationalize news? Yeah, I think you've hit, the, you've hit the nail on the head right there. I think... Um, everyone wants the best story you know so everyone wants uh, everyone everyone wants to publish the best story and then have your name at the top that you wrote that and everyone would be like wow you know you wrote that you know and obviously everyone's it depending on how outrageous the article is or whatever you know um everyone sort of everyone might say oh that's not true you know but if especially like if the headline reads something like i don't know china's going into its like 10th lockdown and they're not going to get out to like 2025 or something or just say something like that then your automatic reaction to that's going to be like oh that's you know that's not true but uh, especially in journalism something i've learned that everyone wants to sort of put the best thing out there because when, at the end of the day when you get into like as a freelancer, when you get into um, like writing articles, the more views you get and the more reads you get, it turns into money and turns into commission and things like that. So people want, and at the end of the day, people, you know, it comes back to people want to make money. So what happens when you've got, so someone like Trump, who was saying all of like lies basically, to hundreds of people and he is the president of the United States or was versus a journalism company turning around saying hey that's not true what do you do in those situations when the journalist is so belittled by the president at that point how does that affect truth telling and profits towards the company um 
I think a lot uh, because I saw this interview of an Asian woman who was um, interviewing Trump and uh, she was asking him why it was necessary for Trump to comment on uh, the coronavirus and call it like the Asian or the, or the Chinese or the Wuhan virus. And Trump immediately told her to shut up and told her that uh, to lower her voice, actually. So in a way, it actually, the way Trump, so when Trump does that, it kind of shows people around him, the, his supporters, that it's okay to do that. It um, kind of gives them uh, uh, the feeling that, oh, it's okay, it's a Chinese virus. It's okay, she's an Asian woman. She can't speak up. She should not speak up. So it instills in people that, uh, so people already have biases and prejudices. So when uh, a, a figure like Trump goes up on national television or goes up and uh, does something like that, it gives the public that, you know, it's okay to do it. I think it's always going to be an issue of, you know, they say, Sam was saying, you know, you need to fact check everything. Mm-hmm. And as easy it may, as it may be for journalists to fact check things, it's a different thing to have people understand those facts and take in those facts. Like things like global warming, you can say as many times as you want, global warming is real, we need to fix it. But when hundreds of thousands of people around the world don't think it's real, you've got a president, an ex-president saying it's not real. It's all very well and good. You can fact check it as much as you like, but there's always going to be a war against those who think that the freedom of speech and thinking is enough for them to say, I don't have to believe it. I can believe what I want. And I think it can become very very damaging for us as journalists and us as people, you know, to everybody when, you know, you've got anti-maskers saying the virus isn't real. We don't have to wear masks. It's all government control. You've got like global warming. It's not real we can burn fossil fuels, you know, we can drive cars as much as we want, it makes no difference. And as journalists, it's our job to say, hold up, that's not true. You know, we need to fix our planet, but how you can't force people into that. You know, you can't force them to think what we think. We can't force them to believe the facts. And I think that is one of the hardest things about journalism. So what were your final takeaways from this talk? What I took away from it the most was just going back to going back to like what um, Sam had done and just everything that he's accomplished. You know, he touches um, in one of the um, on his website, he touches on one of the times when he was in so much pain and he was and he was lying down and he wasn't going to go out and film something. And then all of a sudden, this civil war, let's call it a civil war, broke out outside. And he was in so much pain, but, you know, he he was like, no, nah, this is a once in a lifetime sort of thing. You know, I've got to go do this. And, you know, he, he could have easily just stayed at home, like rested up, got better, but he decided, no, I'm going to go out and capture this. I think that's really commendable. And I think that just shows how invested he is. What I've taken away from that is... You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's times are hard. You know, and he would, and uh, you know, he would have had to go through so many tough things. You know, some of the stuff that he saw, like he he seen children in an awful condition and everything like that, and really living tough lives. Um, you know, so he's had to see so many awful things, but it just shows that he's gone. He's gone there and he's done a job, and 
you know, and he enjoys it and that's his passion. So it's really, really commendable. And it just shows that if you love what you do and it's not just, it's not just in career, it's anything in life, really. If you, if you love it to the point of that, you're enjoying it and, you know, you want to, you want to keep it going, then, you know, you'll do everything to sort of, you know, you do everything to sort of keep that going and make it work in the best possible way. So I think what it's taught to me is just, you know, stick to what you love doing enjoy the things that you love and you know everything will fall into place so yeah it's really commendable from him and it was really inspiring yeah uh, I think the way he motivated everybody that just give you a hundred percent in whatever you are doing develop your skills and practice is very important and keep an open mind and focus on whatever you are doing the way he motivated everybody like you know how to move ahead in this field and how you can achieve everything if you want so yeah, that is what I really liked about him uh, what was even more inspiring for me was that he was he's a journalist in Bangladesh so he did say that you know Bangladesh is a hot pot of uh, but also we need to remember that the media organizations, um, the press in Bangladesh is not very forgiving. Uh, they are very constricted. They have a lot of rules and laws and uh, it's very controlling in uh, Bangladesh. So to be a journalist there, to enjoy it, to uh, come up with such amazing content, such amazing work, it's, yeah, it's really inspiring. Thank you for tuning into the 52nd JOM podcast and we will see you next week.